Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The Super Bowl 56 champions have been crowned in the Los Angeles Rams. A 23-20 victory over Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Not the most exciting game from start to finish. Not the most top 10 best game of all time. The halftime show that millennials will remember. But as we talked about last week, a game that sets legacies in stone for several players that happen to also play for those same Los Angeles Rams, one being Matthew Stafford, getting the monkey off his back and winning a Super Bowl and now being in the discussions for is he Hall of Fame worthy now? Where does he stand with the Eli Mannings and the Ben Roethlisberger's blah, blah, blah. The dust has barely settled on the Lombardi trophy engraving and we're already talking about Hall of Fame for Matt Stafford. Cooper Cup caps his historic season with a Super Bowl MVP, two touchdowns, another great performance by him, especially on the final drive of the game for the Rams to win it. Odell Beckham gets a touchdown before and he unfortunately gets injured. A great game for him leading up to that point. Aaron Donald gets his ring. He was in rumblings for Super Bowl MVP. Sean McVay gets his ring. He now the youngest at 36 to get a ring and what's in store for him in the future. Everything we talked about that could turn into a negative if it didn't go the way of LA ends up going positive for them. And looking at the Bengals, you just say, well, almost you almost had him. too bad. The sacks came to bite you again. One play here, one play there. Who knows what could have been, but what a great season for them. And we'll expect to see them again soon back in the Super Bowl, which may be something that they shouldn't necessarily believe in because as we've talked about on this show too, how difficult it is not only to get back to that sort of field, but to win the Super Bowl in general, not easy. Just ask a myriad of quarterbacks and teams about it, but we have the winner, a three point win. Anyone that had the hook once that extra point got botched and they missed it, you knew you'd be chasing that extra point the rest of the game and sure as shit. Vegas wins again for anybody that took the Rams minus three and a half or minus four. Nobody, but nobody beats the boys in Vegas as they say, but the Rams don't care about that. They got the win. They got the headlines. They got the parades. They get everything that matters. They get now the, will we run it back? Let's see who's going to retire. Let's see who comes back. What did you think about the game as a whole? And now the storylines that we get to rummage around about for the rest of the off season regarding the Los Angeles Rams and also the Bengals for their loss. Well, we pretty much gave you the game. 
I think we got a pretty good handle on what was going to happen. And we were pretty close. Uh, you know, the hook, the missed extra point cost us the Rams pick. I believe I was 30-23. You were in somewhere in the same neighborhood. Uh, I think the Rams would have won the game by more if Beckham had not gotten hurt. But it was a legitimate Super Bowl. It was a hard-fought, relatively even-keeled, back and forth. There was not a lot of uh, sustained drives due to some spotty play by the offensive lines, uh, certainly Cincinnati's. And, you know, I think a lot due to some conservative coaching by Sean McVay and the loss of Beckham coupled with the loss of his number one tight end, then his number two tight end, the one-year Notre Dame former Northwestern receiver, dropped another pass that turned into an interception. So he reared his ugly head. So that stuff didn't have a lot to work with in terms of what he normally has to work with. I think it really inhibited the Rams. But as we discussed, we thought the Rams were the better team. They were. We didn't think the Cincinnati offensive line would hold up. It didn't. We thought Joe B would stand tall in the face of pressure. He did. Mistake free. And we wanted to see if. Aaron Donald could dominate and join, as I've said to all those who would listen, the great Bob Lilly, the great Merlin Olson, four-time Super Bowl champion, Mean Joe Green, and become the fourth great defensive tackle of my lifetime. And he did, making two huge defensive plays in the last series, making a incredible sack early in the second half after the interception that shut down a third down play to preclude the game potentially going into a two-score deficit. And we saw Cooper Cup, along with his quarterback, do what had to be done down the stretch in crunch time and Cooper Cup play like the best non-quarterback offensive player in the National Football League this year when it counted most, when they needed him most, and when Matt Stafford had nowhere else to go. And as predicted on this program, Cooper Cup, two touchdown receptions, MVP. You could have easily given it to Donald, but he had no problem with the split. And Matthew Stafford, brought in for two first-round draft picks and the former Ram quarterback, also a number one pick, now in Detroit, answered the bell. When everybody said, well, we already got here. If you don't win it, the trade didn't pay off. It's a failure. Forget about the fact that we got rid of the other guy's insane contract. Forget about the fact that we've got you for the rest of your career. We don't have to have him as he struggled in Detroit and will continue to struggle because he's mediocre at best. But the point is, he delivered when it counted most. Then, of course, all the Hall of Fame nonsense started. His isn't got to do more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
But the point is, when it mattered most against the Cardinals, he was sound in a destruction. Against the defending champs, he was brilliant in what should have been and was a destruction until his team disintegrated before his eyes and he and Cooper Cup bailed his team his team and his coach out. And then against the Niners, down two scores in a co- game that was ill-coached with moronic decisions to put his team in a hole. He brought his team back from two scores down to go to the Super Bowl, and there he was. After a couple interceptions, one which I don't even think was his fault, but a throw into the end zone on third and long that I thought his receiver, Van Jefferson, could have much made a much better play on the ball, but was undercut by the Bengal defensive back who made the nice interception. And then, of course, uh, the stiff from Notre Dame slash Northwestern, who just can't seem to catch. He, he looks like his hands are on backwards when he goes to for a reception in the end zone against the Niners, totally lost. She tangled, looking over his head, open over the middle, perfect throw, gets both hands on it, tipped right to the Bengal defender. Those are the two interceptions. Was he brilliant? No. Was it the drive? No. But it was what had to be done. Was he Elway? No. Was he Montana? No. Was he Brady? No. He was, who is? Matt Stafford, former number one overall pick, suffering through a long and mediocre, at times, very good career with the Lions, doing exactly what they did, what they needed him to do, what they traded for. Win the big game. Lead his team down the field when it mattered most in the face of pressure without all his weapons, no running game, zero, not none to speak of, none. A coach who refused to throw on first down will put him in second and 12, second and eight, second and 10, all after you leave you alone. Finding a way to hook up with his most outstanding player, Cooper Cup, when the entire team the entire building, the entire viewing audience, they had half a brain, knew he was looking for Cooper Cup, but found him open, threw him open, got him open for first downs, for throws that resulted in penalties, and for finally the winning touchdown. Matt Stafford did exactly what he was brought in to do. He got the job done. Plain and simple. Good for him. Congratulations to him. He should be able to revel in this and enjoy it after many years of suffering with a morbid franchise, which he never complained about, never bitched, never moaned, mutual parting of the ways. They sat down, they worked it out, they got a lot from the Rams, and they gave a lot to the Rams. They gave an incredibly talented quarterback who some think is underachieving, who I happen to think is you know, a top seven or eight quarterback in the National Football League, 
when surrounded by talent, proved he can win a championship. Trade, a rousing success. Matthew Stafford, a job well done. Aaron Donald, proving you are the best defensive football player on the planet. You're a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm not going to go into this best defensive player of all time. After seven years, let's just say seven years, seven great ones. Rookie of the year, three-time defensive player of the year, pro bowl everywhere, every year. Doesn't get any better than the kind of start he was had to his career. And remember, as a defensive tackle, it's hard. You're double teamed a lot. You're not in the premier pass rushing position. You don't get a lot of sacks. But can you dominate when it counts most? He did. And it was one of the main reasons that the Rams were victorious. The huge third down sack told them to a field goal. The huge third and one run stuff on P-line when he pulled him back like he was a little boy. And obviously the almost sack on fourth down of Joe B as he swung around like a rag doll, resulting in the incompletion and the Rams lining up in victory formation. Kudos to the Rams front office, to the players, but I am very happy for Matt Stafford. He has been a good trooper for a long time and a solid pro. This was finally his day of reckoning, and he proved to everybody that he can do what's got to be done to win a championship. He won the day. He did the job. Finally, because there are a lot of moments in that game where you're sitting there just sort of waiting, like poking them with the stick. Do something, Rams. Stop running the football. Again, for Sean McVay, having this photographic memory, being this wonder coach where anyone that's ever shaken his hand can get a job in the National Football League at some way, shape, or form because they know I remember him that guy. Or stood in the room next to him. Yeah, we were behind each other getting eggs at breakfast. All right, we were hired. Great. I know you. Wonderful. Did you happen to talk to him at all? Well, we just gave a head nod when we ended up reaching for the spoon at the same time for the scrambled eggs. Okay, perfect. You're hired. I mean, you're just sitting there waiting for them to do something. Throw it. Run it. I know Odell Beckham gets hurt. Chris Collinsworth says on the broadcast that the Rams are without weapons. What? Chris. Hold on a second. I mean, there's more people on the team, man. There's a guy, first of all, called Cooper Cup. Did you ever hear him? You know, the eventual MVP. They're going to be fine with who they have on the field. Just going to change what they wanted to do for a little bit. And took them forever to figure it out because they wouldn't stop running the football. Your leading rusher, Cam Akers, who they think is Barry Sanders, 21 yards on 13 carries. Throw it. Do something else. Cooper Cup, they gave it to him on a fourth down on a sweep. He had seven rushing yards just on one play. Hand it over to him. It was frustrating kind of waiting for this offense to get going, and you wondered if here we go again, they're going to come up with a mistake at the wrong time, and the Bengals are going to benefit from it. Two interceptions from Stafford. You already mentioned one tip pick. Oh, God, here we go again with these interceptions. Now, one of them was vintage Stafford where he points his wide receiver open and just hucks it up into the end zone. If you're going to point to a guy to run where you want him to, he better be open when you throw it. <laughs> when that ball got there, he was not even close to open. 
Well, I thought he was open when he threw it, but as I said, I don't think Van Jefferson, you know, in, in Stafford's defense, I don't think Van Jefferson did a very good job uh, breaking to that ball. I, I thought the defender undercut him, and I didn't think that Jefferson reacted very well to the ball at all. Well, he had a lot ball. on his mind. His daughter was about to be born, so he had to be whisked away at the end of the game on the field. They're playing with the confetti, and somebody's like, hey, your wife's in labor. Oh, shit, we got to go. Thanks for everything, everybody. Maybe not his fault. Maybe the point when it was made, he was open. We didn't get to see that on the replay to know whether or not he was open. What we did get to see on the replay the next day was on the Joe Burrow scramble for your life, end up getting mostly sacked, throw it to no one at the end of the game that turned out to be the game clincher via Aaron Donald. Although the broadcast crew had the energy and excitement for the call as one would for a preseason game or the pro bowl didn't really give you the energy of this is the game right here. Cause this was incomplete on fourth down. They're not getting the ball back. It's over. It was like, Oh, it's falls incomplete. That's it. <laughs> but we see the replay of Jamar chase getting wide open because friend of the show, Jalen Ramsey just falls down as one does. Now we'll give him the benefit of the doubt when he fell down on the 75 yard touchdown to Van Jefferson. It was because he got his helmet ripped and that made a dazed him a little bit and caused him to fall. No penalty called easy touchdown to open the half gave people with the over a little bit of life. Not for long. Yes, he was open, but although people are saying he would have had to get the ball out sooner. That was the play call because the pocket was going to be collapsing. If it wasn't Aaron Donald, it would be somebody else. And odds are he wasn't even going to be thinking to throw it that far to Jamar chase looking for him for that type of pass. It was short all the way. And that wouldn't even be something in his right. And he still didn't have time to throw it. Exactly. So obviously you can have that on most plays. Oh, look at this guy was wide open. Well, it's not that easy. <laughs> the game's going pretty fast. It's not always that easy to find the guy that's wide open. And of course, everything gets slowed down on the internet and plays get put under the microscope. There was the third down play when the officials just started throwing flags like crazy on the Rams drive that got them the touchdown holding pass interference, this and that people are going nuts because they weren't calling penalties all game. And now all of a sudden on this final drive, we're finally getting penalties. There was the third down where it looked like two Rams jumped early. No call for that. And then they put a picture up where Aaron Donald appeared to be offsides on the fourth down play. But then people were saying that was in the first quarter because of where the picture is on the field. Conspiracy theories. Crazy. Of course, after the fact, let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Did you feel that there was a play or a moment or anything that could have been the game changer? Was it simply as easy as, well, if the Bengals stopped the Rams there on what that final drive well, was? I thought, I that thought there been were it. a couple things that stood out. Um, I, I really think the the Rams uh, stop after the interception uh, was huge because remember they got the first first down after the interception off the deflection and then on third down 
uh, it was the Donald sack uh, because I thought if Cincinnati could score a touchdown there, they would really be in great shape because the Rams offense was struggling uh, without Beckham. And, uh, you know, he pushed the pile back. He pushed immediately. He just bull rushed. And, you know, Joe B had no time at all to throw. And, uh, I, you know, I thought that was a huge, huge turning point in the game because that really started uh, the downfall of the Cincinnati offensive line, I thought. From there on in, uh, I just think the Rams' defensive line just had their way with the Cincinnati offensive line. I mean, Joe B had no time to throw at all in the second half after that series. They were just on him constantly. Uh, you, you remember that that series uh, where they had the bad field position? He just he got sacked twice on consecutive plays, and he was you know, Ben Gazzara running for your life. There was just nowhere to go. They were back there before he could get back there, and uh, you know that was Donald. And I really thought that kind of flipped the game for the Rams defense. It didn't flip the game because the Rams you know, didn't make any real hope. Off of that, they got their field goal uh, when they ran that ridiculous reverse to Cup and the incompletion, the Philly special. Which, thank goodness, it wasn't complete because if that ball was anywhere that Matt Stafford could have caught it, he was going to get lit up. Yeah, but wait a minute. For those of us that had a quarterback to catch a pass at plus eight hundred, I don't think I screamed at the TV louder. Then when they ran the play, you could see Matt Stafford start leaking out. And I'm screaming, they're going to throw it to him. And then Cooper cup throws it into the stands. You give the MVP to that dude and he can't complete a pass. You should be ashamed. Of well, yourself, that, that, the best league. thing he may have did was overthrow that ball. Cause if he threw it to, if he had it where, where he could catch, he could have got him killed. Great for the Rams. Yes. For us betters. Very disappointing, but and what I actually thought on that play is I thought he was going to run. Because when you saw the replay from another angle, there was room for him to run. And plenty of it. And I thought he was going to run for the first down. Instead, uh, the incompletion and they set up a field goal, uh, you know, that got them back to 20 to 16. And then, you know, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, really much of nothing. The defenses, the defensive lines on both teams dominated, uh, you know, because the Rams continued to run the ball uh, on first down unsuccessfully. And, uh, you know, I, I understand you need to run. I understand you need to run sometimes, even if you're not getting anything positive out of it to keep the defense honest and, you know, to set up the pass, to keep the linebackers in tight, but do you have to run on every first down? You can't throw a couple times on first down in a series after you get a first down. A little play fake, something quick, something to the, something to the second string tight end, uh, who I thought did a good job for them. Something to 88. The, the backup wide receiver, who was a, a big helper for them and made a couple big catches, uh, not for big gains, but you know to keep drives alive or to set up third and shorts. You know, I thought he did a very good job. The, the Notre Dame slash Northwestern kid was an abortion again. Uh, he, he ran a bad route later on on third down. 
where he didn't get near the sticks and Stanford overthrew him because he ran his third down route way short of the sticks. But uh, I think that was really the play to me that got the Rams' defense going and injected some life into their offense. And then, you know, the fourth old school football, you don't go for that fourth down with five minutes to go. You punt the ball. And everybody says a no-brainer, but you know, you could you the way his defense was playing, you could have easily seen him punting that. Five minutes to go, down one score, all your timeouts. Cincinnati has done nothing against your defense. Now, granted, you weren't going to pin them way back because you, know, you were back at your own 30-yard line. So you know, chances are if you do a three and out, you'll, you'll probably just, barring any huge mishap, the best you could hope for is probably get the ball back where you got it now. But you could you could have seen him punting there. He didn't. Uh, and he would have been ripped to shreds if he did. Because, you know, new school football, you go for it, you go for it, you go for it, you go for it. Especially in the situation, you may not get the ball back. No matter how great your defense has been playing, you give, you, you give the ball to your best player. And Cooper Cup makes a, a great run. As Chris Collingsworth pointed out, which is about the only thing he did right all day. Because as you said, it was a brutal, brutal performance by NBC. Really from pillar to post. The coverage was awful. Uh, even the great L. Michaels was mediocre. Uh, Collinsworth was mediocre at best. And the coverage, a lot of the camera angles were not great. We didn't see enough replays, I thought, uh, of, of certain plays. Uh, last one, we didn't see enough of. You know, I, I had friends tell me, boy, they look like PLA could have caught that ball. Looked like he didn't make much of an effort for that ball. Right. I, I, really... I had a look the next day and the all 22s come out and different people post their findings for offensive line plays and different things like that. But I thought after the game too, like, could he have dove for that? How far away was that pass? Did he not see it coming? What happened? And we didn't get nary a replay of it, at least a different camera angle to know. And, and I can understand him being almost surprised because it looked like Burrow was going down. Then all of a sudden the ball comes flying out, you know, and Joe B tries to get it to him, but it almost looked like he didn't react at all. So, um, but, but I thought that the, uh, obviously the fourth down play was huge because that really seemed to get him new life. Uh, the decision to go for it was the right decision. It was a great call. Put the ball in the hands of your best player. And he came up big. And that really seemed to, to I think, uh, inject some fuel in them and uh, really put life into that drive, uh, which still was, was somewhat 15 plays. You know, it wasn't the uh, It took some time. It was some dink and dunk. It was a couple of big plays, a great catch and run, you know, by Cup, a great throw by Stafford. Uh, then they've got the third down play with the, the hold slash interference, which to me, I mean, that's look, he, he held him when he, when he made his break, he grabbed him by the Jersey. Uh, that was his, at least if not more of a blatant flag or hold than you know, they called last year in Brady's favor, uh, you know, against the Packers that would have resulted in, in 
they were able to punt the ball back to Green Bay. So some people thought it was a BS call, but they have a way of it up. Obviously, they missed the, the awful pass to office, offensive pass interference call. And then the call in the corner of the end zone was clearly interference. Eli Apple tackled him. And the most amazing play probably the entire drive was the catch by Cup that didn't count. When he took a huge hit, ran a great route, got crushed in the back of the end zone, and hung on. And the offsetting penalties, again, which we never really got good angles on, what the what the hold was, we never really got a good shot of that. Uh, but the offsetting penalties negate that touchdown. But then you have the quarterback sneak that doesn't work. And then it's just like, all right, just get the ball to Cup. Just Amazing that that gets off. He gets his soul sucked from his body because he gets whacked in the head full speed. That offsets somebody getting held for a half a second. All right, replay the game, replay the down. Beautiful. We'll offset these penalties. We mention on this show all the time, and rightly so, we're not the only show to do it, how difficult it not only is to win a Super Bowl, but get back to one and then win it again. It just doesn't happen very often. You could name on your hand how many teams have been able to repeat. Obviously, people have high expectations for the Bengals because of how young they are and the potential that they showed this year. But you could also look at how much they benefited from good fortune this season. I think friend of the show, we need to get on, Nick Wright said the number was five for wins the Bengals had this season on game-winning field goals at the buzzer. Eight losses they had in total. Their owner doesn't necessarily always like to spend to bring in talent. At least he hasn't. We'll see if that changes now with the team that he has. But then they were fortunate in the postseason at the end of games, turnovers by the opposing quarterbacks, fortunate defensive plays, putting the offense in position to either win the game on drives or to already have won it based on what the defense was able to do. You need to have the ball bounce your way, mostly when it comes to winning a Super Bowl championship. They had an opportunity to steal one here, and we mentioned doing so with a young quarterback, the likes of Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, quarterbacks like that who won early to the appeasement of their owners, not having to pay them a jillion dollars to also get a Super Bowl championship, winning it on the rookie deal. Everybody's happy for legacies and for pockets. The Rams, we're not sure if they're going to run it back. Same teams type of deal. Aaron Donald right after the game getting asked, you retiring now? What's the deal? Sean McVay. Hey, you retiring now? What's the deal? Which for both, I was thinking, why would they retire? Like Whitworth, obviously. Yes. <laughs> you know, Weddle, obviously. Yes. Let's have a good one right off into the sunset. These other guys are supposed to be at the top of their game. You don't have to do that or don't ask them about it yet. Hold your horses. So whether or not they decide to run things back, they have a lot of free agency questions to answer. They have no salary cap. They have no draft picks the next year because they went all in on this season and it paid off, which isn't how maybe you should do things. It's risky. We know this actually worked out hat tip to them when it does. But if you had to pick or put faith in one of these two teams, who do you think has the best shot to, we'll just say, get back to this point because now Joe Burrow having to also have luck is going to have to do so still against Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, 
Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, maybe Aaron Rodgers coming over for a visit. Whereas the Rams in the NFC without Tom Brady now, maybe without Aaron Rodgers, could just fall into becoming the best team in the NFC without really having to do anything this offseason. Is there a lean that you give to either team to get back here next season? Well, I think that the Rams are here the obvious choice because they've gotten over the hump. Nobody of note is going anywhere. Harold Donald's not retiring. Matt Stafford is there. You know, obviously they may not have, uh, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. because of his injury and free agency, but they'll have Robert Woods coming back, and it, they're the champs. Can they run it back? Let's run it back. Yeah, we'll run it back. Everybody's coming back. We know all right. Kansas City. We said this on the show time, 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 time and time again. I don't care how badly you want to run it back. It's hard to run it back. Hadn't worked. Bring everybody back. Run it back. Didn't work. Kansas City didn't work. Tampa. We'll see with the Rams, but they've got a leg up because they're in the weaker conference and they've got a terrific front four. Now, will your former defensive end, their defensive end, their Hall of Fame defensive end, who also had a great game, Von Miller, come back? I don't know. He said in the celebration, why not? I'm not going anywhere. That would be a huge boon for them if he comes back. They can use some work in the secondary. Their offensive line can use some improvement. But who's playing quarterback for San Francisco? Stu Lance, unproven. Who's playing quarterback for Arizona? Fights are breaking. Kyler Murray. Who's playing quarterback for Russell Wilson, for Seattle? Well, we know that's Russell Wilson, but they haven't been going to the playoffs. That leaves Green Bay with or without Aaron Rodgers. I believe a potential coming team my dark horse for next year with their new offensive guru off the Sean McVay coaching tree. The Minnesota Vikings, whose new head coach is dying, can't wait to coach up their quarterback, who says, of course he's staying. He's my guy with their weapons. I like Minnesota next year to jump into the playoffs. The South. Brady's not back. Who's going to quarterback Tampa? The Falcons are a hot mess. Carolina's no good. New Orleans doesn't have a quarterback. And then you have, obviously, the NFC least. With the most overrated quarterback in the game, Dak Prescott. Uh, the Eagles, who give you their best. The Giants, who give you their worst. And the Commanders. Who's playing quarterback for them? So it's clearly the Rams because Cincinnati did lose seven games, eight if you want to count the Super Bowl, is in a very tough division, in a very tough conference. You could go 11 and 7 next year in the AFC and not make it. Excuse me, 11 and 6. I doubt you can go 10 and 7 and absolutely not make it. It is. 
find a way the more difficult conference, find one more competitive with more quarterbacks to deal with, more young up-and-coming quarterbacks to deal with everywhere you look. So it's going to be much harder for Cincinnati to get back. Whether we love Joe B or like Joe B, they certainly have to shore up their offensive line, probably spend some money in free agency, and they have plenty of money to spend. So to me, if I'm betting on any one of the two teams to get back, it's clearly on the Rams with their quarterback, who has now made his mark, established himself, got it done, won the big one. The controversy is nonstop. Is Matthew Stanford a Hall of Famer? He's an automatic Hall of Famer. He's going to wear a gold jacket. He should wear a gold jacket. He's got no business wearing a gold jacket. He didn't do anything in Detroit. He's not as good as Eli Manning. He's not as good as Plunkett. They won two Super Bowls. How can he be going? What say you? New report. What's good for him and unfortunate for sports talk show debates is he's still got time. Not to say that he's going to win another Super Bowl, but he could. I mean, let's see another season like this one next year or for the next couple of years on top of that. Get into the postseason. Get to NFC Championship games. You keep winning football games, you're going to make it very hard for people to keep you out. As of now, I mean, he doesn't feel like a Hall of Famer to me even after this Super Bowl. He's always been sort of the second fiddle guy that gets thrown in at the end of conversations when you're naming who the best quarterbacks are and who the winningest quarterbacks are and who's going to win the Super Bowls for this year. He's always put up good stats, but you don't kind of realize that as the season's going on because you don't see him in the postseason for most of his career. He's kind of an afterthought. He's and not somebody you that you're thinking about. Now. you got to be first pro bowl or first team all pro. Apparently pro bowl is a big thing. People are very the ironic, on the pro bowl. The irony of this all, and which has been nonstop as I've been a massive Stafford defender is that he's being criticized more now than he's won, than he's won the Super Bowl. Yeah. How about that? You're exactly All we right. heard was, you know, he hasn't proven he's going to win the big one. Okay. You know, you're, all the excuses for being in Detroit. Now you got the great supporting cast. Let's see what you can do. They went to the Super Bowl without you and lost. So it's no big deal if you go and lose. Not only do you have to go, you got to go and win to make this draft pay dividends. Well, now he goes and wins, leads him down the field, and a drive for the ages, but, you know, a big-time drive. Down two scores against the Niners in the fourth quarter, brings him back. Down here, brings him back. And now he's being criticized because, you know, well, he didn't have enough All-Pro awards, doesn't have Pro Bowl, enough Pro Bowl appearances, hasn't led the league in passing or touchdown passes enough. So there's no way he's a Hall of Famer right now. He can't walk in again. <laughs> well, nobody said he's walking into Canton right now. But you know, if we simply look at where he is now, the odds are pretty strong that Matthew Stafford's going to pretty much do for the next three or four years what he did this year, whether he goes to the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl or not, and three or four more seasons of these many yards and around these many touchdowns with just going 1-0 and in the Super Bowl is going to be enough 
to make him a Hall of Famer. I would agree. Because he'll have big numbers. He'll have at least one Super Bowl appearance and at least one Super Bowl win. If he gets another one, what goodness gracious is the same? Yeah. And he will be 2-0 and in the most important game. Oh, what, Jim Plunkett? What, Jim? I understand Jim Plunkett went 2-0. And I love Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett, old report. Look him up. Number one pick in the draft. Heisman Trophy winner at Stanford. One of the three great Stanford college quarterbacks of my lifetime. All number one picks in the draft. Jim Plunkett, John Elway, Andrew Luck. Pretty good company. Got battered and bruised in New England and then in San Francisco and was reborn as an Oakland Raider and won two Super Bowls. But not a Hall of Famer. In a different era, didn't have the kind of gaudy numbers in losing seasons that Matthew Stafford did. Even though Matthew Stafford's thrown a share of interceptions and picked sixes. But now it's a different era. You have those gaudier numbers just by being a quarterback in this era. But you look at Eli Manning's numbers. I mean, touchdown interception ratio, not good at all. A lot of interceptions. A lot of interceptions. 500 barely record. A fi- barely a 500 record. Yep. With the New York Giants, the juggernaut, the New York football Giants. Stanford was one of the most morbid franchises in the NFL. Never been with Super Bowl one one, and has put up some not Hall of Fame like first team All NFL numbers every year, but he's put up some really good seasons for some bad teams and some decent teams, you know, and a play all three in the playoffs going into this season, but. Unlike Matt Ryan, when Matthew Stafford got to the big game with the lights on and all the pressure on him, Matthew Stafford performed. Matthew Stafford took his team down the field. Matthew Stafford won the championship. Matthew Stafford did what you said Matthew Stafford had to do for it to be a successful trade. And now you're going to criticize him because he's only done it once. And his resume isn't good enough for camp. Well, He's not nominated for Canton yet. Despite what his coach says. Three, four more years. Minimum. 36 years old. Who knows how long he'll play. I'd be shocked if he didn't finish his career as a Ram. With talent surrounding him. Because you know they'll find a way to continually bring in talent. Because they don't care about draft picks. And when they draft, they draft well. Their picks just aren't in the early rounds. Look at their roster. They got plenty of draft picks that are on their roster. They're just not high ones because they traded for superstars. Like Jalen Ramsey, who gets beat like you know a drum again by Jamar Chase. Deep down the sidelines. And I thought for a second on the last possession, before he tried to jump around, I thought for a second, I thought Jamar Chase might be going a long way and maybe all the way, but he ran out of real estate and the safety and help came over to get him out of bounds. Jalen Ramsey had a hideous game. But the point is, Matthew Stafford has really been damned if he don't, damned if he do. 
because that's really the way it was. Well, he hadn't done anything he ain't that good, but now he's done something. He still ain't that good. What do you want from the guy? He's got time, and he's enjoying thoroughly, probably still winning the Super Bowl, drinking just straight liquor at the parade, smoking cigars. Look good with the stogie. Living the time of his life. He did. He did. It's probably a little load to Joe Burrow. How's this for a cigar smoke after the Super Bowl win, huh? Two could play at that game, Joe. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. In the NBA, we are at the all-star break just about. Once we finish this recording, that'll put a cap on the first half of the season. Thank God. As Lakers fans, couldn't come soon enough. And of course, right before the all-star break, let's have one more pierce in the side as we continue to get closer and closer to the stab wounds of Julius Caesar of this Lakers season. As Anthony Davis once again rolls an ankle, sprains a foot, carried off the floor, fearing the worst, assume he's got to get his foot amputated, which he might be better off just doing, wearing a prosthetic. At least you won't roll your ankle that way. He'll be out four weeks, at least. This time around again, putting the Lakers in peril. He's got a week minus because of the all-star break to get treatment, etc. But the Lakers will start the second half without Anthony Davis, with LeBron having to carry them, scoring 25-plus points, that not being enough because that's not how LeBron James wins basketball games. It's the assists and the rebounds you need to look out for. And he might just get to the point where he says, eh, that's enough. I'm not happy with the organization for how they handled the trade deadline. They didn't go do anything after I kind of told them to. I don't know who they're going to bring in with expiring there contracts. It's going to change the world. There was nothing to do. There wasn't. I don't really there know what he's nothing about. to do. John walls going to make this team better. How, how is he going to make them better? Right. He never plays. Fournier and the supposed package from the Knicks, Kemba Walker, and L. Alex Burke, they're going to make the Lakers better. Three guys you can't guard a statue when their biggest problem is defense. Look, they stood pat. I have no problem with it. They want to give up the draft pick. I was going to give up the draft pick to get better. If I could have given up Taylor Horton Tucker in the draft pick and gotten Barnes from the Kings. Sure. Gary Trent Jr. Sure. But they're not making those deals. Jeremy Grant. Sure. Improve yourself. But no, didn't happen. Understand. Stop giving up the youth. You do have some young players you can build with. Everybody else is doing this with young players. Young players that they're developing. Toronto, look at all these young players. Memphis, look at all these young players. The Lakers in Malik Monk and Taylor Horton Tucker, if he gets a chance, and Reeves have three young players who they can develop 
and start to step in for the youngish players, they gave away for Russ. Letting Caruso go. Caldwell Pope. Kuzma. These three guys are playing better and better all the time, especially Monk and especially Reeves. And the Lakers as a whole have been playing somewhat better. Nice win against Utah at home. Tough loss in a game they easily could have won against Golden State. Got some terrible breaks. Two incredibly lucky bounces where Clay has the game of his season. Of course, he's reverted back to shooting 33% from the field since that Laker game when he couldn't miss. But two incredibly lucky bounces right to him, trees off of deflections and off of a brick miss that were huge late. So they're playing better. And again, Anthony Davis, a victim of bad luck. I've said this a gazillion times. Said it to Frank Isola, he agreed. I've said it on this program. I've said it to you. Anyone who listens, the Lakers continually put him in peril with these loud passes in traffic, whether they're 70 feet long or 20 feet long. They throw the ball up for him amidst a gaggle of defenders. And it's not his fault he comes down on somebody's foot and happens to be Bigfoot, the, you, know, uh, 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 you know, the awful tower, who he was eating alive 17 points in 17 minutes. You know, he rolls his ankle because he comes down on a guy's foot and another lob pass in a crowd. That doesn't mean he's injury prone. It's just bad luck. If he can only be out a couple weeks, come back relatively healthy, I think they're playing better. I know it sounds like a broken record, but I think they are. And there was nothing to do. You weren't going to get any better by bringing in John Wall for Russell Westbrook and giving up a first-round pick to boot to do it. Nobody else was taking that contract. You know, and you're the one who wanted it. And now they give the Laker front office a problem. I said, you wanted it, you got it. You're damn right, you got it. You got it. Play through it. Because nothing we can do is going to make you any better. You think you're going to win a championship with Evan Fournier? A once-every-other-game Kemba Walker and Alex Burke? Is that what you think you're going to do for us? Evan Fournier can't guard anybody. Kemba Walker plays every other game because of his knee, can't guard anybody. And Alex Burke is a nice bench player. So what are you going to do with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing the Lakers could have done would have made them any better for the balance of this year. And they would have had to give up the pick. I just don't think it would have been a wise way to go. I actually think they are better standing pat because I still think Russ has something to prove, and I still think Russ is going to try and prove it because Russ is always going to play hard, and Russ has had a bad stretch. But, but there's still a chance he can have a good stretch because we're not talking about we need a 60-game good stretch. All we need now from Russ is a 25-good game stretch. And the way he's played the last couple games, the style of which he's played them in, gives me some optimism. Some optimism. Cautious, but optimism nonetheless. I'm not that optimistic about 
the 76ers' chance to win a title now that they've traded for the perennial crybaby, the biggest quitter in the NBA, who has moped his way out of another franchise, the second one within a year, turned his back on the nuts, and now takes his dog and pony show to the city of brotherly love, uh, maybe for a wonderful stretch drive in the regular season, but destined to fail, flop, choke, gag in the postseason, as he always does. Because James Harden walks like a duck, talks like a duck, chances are it's a duck. He's been a gagger since his days at Arizona State when he did nothing against the 2-3 zone of my beloved Syracuse in the NCAA tournament, and he's gagged every postseason since. The love affair between the general manager and the player continues. And it will result in the same thing that marriage has always resulted in. No rings. Unlike any other marriage, no ring in that marriage. No ring for the GM, no ring for James Harden. Fingers crossed that as the days continue on, potentially the meetings will grow longer between the MLB players and the MLB owners and the representatives from the sport that we both love longer than 15 minutes, which happened today, 15 minutes. There's longer at bats in major league baseball than 15 minutes. Figure it out. So we could talk about it. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. I'll simply say my optimism is waning folks. My partner, the great, John Tiny Lund, he is the new report. I am El Renato, a.k.a. from my clients. I am the old report. Until next time, enjoy your NFL last sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.